In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be the, called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him to the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You, the Holy One, to, the, to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is, is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Amen. Good to see all of you, and Merry Christmas. It's, uh, it's amazing to celebrate Christmas Sunday with you all. Uh, this is our third service here at New Mercy. Um, perhaps if, you've, if you serve, you're probably low on energy. Uh, but hopefully we can be a little bit excited about the Christmas message. It's always great to see also baby infant baptisms. And at 1030, we had 10 kids. So it was like it was a machine. We're like one, two, three. And it's nice to see Jen and Sally. You got all the love from all the leaders, all the church. I guess one of the few benefits you have for going to 1 p.m. Just few, few, but um, good to see all of you. If you're new here at New Mercy, I'm John. I'm one of the pastors serving here at New Mercy. We truly do want to welcome you, and we want to invite you to come say hi at the welcoming table. There's some friendly folks out there uh, who probably greeted you awkwardly as you had to go through the tunnel of them, but uh, they're really nice folks. Please go and say hi after the service. I want to share with you a little bit more about New Mercy and we want to get to know you a little bit more. Here at our church for the Advent, the season of Christmas, for the past three weeks, we've been going over certain themes that go along very well with this Christmas season. We've been talking about joy. We've been talking about hope. We've been talking about peace. Today we end the Advent series with this Christmas message. But we want to take a different turn and talk about a theme perhaps that we don't really get to talk too much about in light of Christmas, and that is fear. Fear. Um, so will you bow your heads with me, and let's dive into the Word of God and invite the Spirit to come as we learn what God has in store for us as we look at fear of Mary as the angel approaches her. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for you are a God who is faithful. No matter what, you've always been there, and you always be there for us. So, Lord, as we read your Word in Luke 1, as we talk about and meditate upon the word in which you came to us, Lord, the birth of Jesus Christ, the greatest gift you've given us, Lord, may you just be here in our presence and may your spirit move us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to just talk about my mom a little bit this morning, this afternoon. And to give you a context, my mom is a very nice, gentle woman. And the outside. <laughs> but deep down inside her core, she is very strong. Um, perhaps you have a mother like that as well. Um, to give you an idea, my mom 
is the one that greets everybody at church and goes and is the first one that people call to share their struggles and trauma. She's usually the first one to visit their homes and pray for them and be with them. But at home, she's always the tough one. She's the one that fixes the lights. She's the one, if there's pipe problems, she's the one that straps the belt and fixes it. And my dad, he's a pastor. Um, not that pastors can't do any of this, but he's just useless around the house, you know. So I, we just grew up, my brother and I grew up seeing this image of my mom who is very tough and rugged and can get through anything. To give you another example, when we were in Korea, I was in first, second grade, we lived in this huge mansion that was owned by the church property. And there were like field mice, like huge, that would used to run around our house. And when we used to see one, I kid you not, I would see my dad, this grown adult, <laughs> shriek and yell and go on top of a table and scream on top of his lung. My mom would chase after the rat, grab it by its tail, and kill it. Right? That's the type of mom that I have. So growing up, we used to have this tradition, if I can call it that, between me, my father, and my brother, who can scare my mom? So right around the winter times, Christmas season comes around, it just became something that we do. We used to get together, the three boys, and we used to talk amongst ourselves. It's like, hey, how are we going to scare our mom this season? So one day, I know it's horrible, but one day, my father, the genius, thought it'd be fun to turn off all the lights, right? As my mom comes home from work around 7, 7.30, it's pitch dark outside, turn off all the lights, and we would all hide, and in stages, right, one, two, three, we would scare my mom. Not at all at once, but in stages. So my father would first hide under the dining table, right? There's like 5'10", 5'11", man, 180, 190 pounds. He would hide underneath the dining table, right? And he would scare my mom as she walks in through the door. And then my brother would do the same in the kitchen. If she comes into the kitchen, then he would pop out. And then I was in charge of hiding behind the sofa. As she enters the living room, I would then, for the third time, scare her, right? So it's like, bam, bam, bam. So lo and behold, my mom comes in. All the lights are off. It's kind of weird because there's a car outside in the parking lot. She comes in. Uh, you know, she drops her bag. And the first thing, my dad pops out of the dining table underneath it and says, boo. And my mom just flips out and screams on top of her lungs. And then she kind of catches her breath and goes into the kitchen. And my brother comes out and goes, boo! And by this time, she's so scared that she's crying. But do I know that? No. Because I'm still hiding behind the sofa thinking, oh, yeah, this is going to be awesome. So as my brother tells me, she, he was trying to give me a sign. Like, don't, don't do it. But I was hiding behind the sofa, and she, as she sits down and she's trying to catch her breath, I come out behind her, so boo! And at that moment, she just flipped out, and it's the first and the last time my mom punched me. So I was like, boo! And then all of a sudden, she just like punched me right on the gut. And that was the end of our tradition, <laughs> right? So from that point on, we realized maybe this is a little bit too much. <laughs> But have you ever been scared that way? Just as a prank. Your friends scare you or your boyfriend, girlfriend, or you have some 
dysfunctional family like mine. We try to scare each other. Even if those who scare you do it out of a prank or those who you love and those you know well, it's very scary and that feeling of anxiety and fear could linger around. Even in moments when we expect to be scared, we could get scared. You know, if you've ever been to those, uh, you know, like rooms in Halloween, right, scare rooms, where you go through these maze and you pay money and to get scared. You know something's going to pop out, but when it does, you're still scared, right? Imagine something scary like that happen in your real life, though. Something that will make you tremble for permanently throughout the rest of your life. Because that's exactly what happens to Mary in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1 verse 26, we see angel Gabriel shows up, knocks on the door of Mary. And when Mary greets him, she finds that there's an angel who's here with an amazing news. Good news. The angel comes to her and says, Mary, don't be afraid. You are a favored child of God, and I have good news to tell you. And this is what angel Gabriel tells Mary. You are going to be pregnant, and you're going to have this child named Jesus. And he's the Messiah, the Savior that all Israelites, all of the Jewish folks and communities have been waiting for. This child will become the king and save the entire nation and the humankind. Does that sound scary to you? Perhaps. But let me give you more of the context in which Mary is receiving this message. See, to Mary, this is not good news. This is scary news. Because, see, Mary came from this tiny little town called Nazareth. Uh, from a town, city called Bethlehem. No one knows where this is. They say, in fact, historians argue there's maybe 50 to 100 people who lived in this town. And therefore, it's one of those towns where you're from and you go and talk to other people. It's like, oh, where are you from? I'm from Nazareth. I don't know where that is. She's a nobody. Her family is from a humble background. They're all mostly carpenters. And she serves the family business. And at this point in our life, when the angel Gabriel approaches her, she's actually only 12 to 15 years of age. 12 to 15. That's youth group. That's junior high school. See, but during this time, when you've become 12, 13, 14, 15, soon as you start the menstruation cycle, you're considered a fully, uh, full adult woman who can get engaged, get married, and have a child. So at this young age, right, as a preteen, Mary's already engaged to this man named Joseph. And engagement back in the day is very different than engagement today. I mean, both are serious. You're saying yes to a man or a woman saying that I'm going to marry you and spend the rest of my life with you. But back in the day of Mary's time, it is very serious. Two families already have come together to make an agreement, a covenant to say, we will give you our son Joseph, and in return, you will give us your daughter Mary, and they will get married. 
and have this wedding. So Mary, at the age of 12 to 15, she's already engaged to this man named Joseph. And because his families have already made a covenant, and the news has already gone out to the entire town, which is very normal of the time, it's almost as if you're already married. So one of the conditions in which during the engagement that you have to hold on both sides, man and woman, is that you have to stay a virgin and not sleep with each other. But now, Mary, greeted by this angel Gabriel, tells her, you are going to be pregnant. Why is this such a scary news for Mary? It's because, at best, once she tells her family members, tells Joseph, Joseph's family, and the villagers in which she grew up with. At best, when she tells them that she's pregnant, but it's not Joseph, it's the Holy Spirit. At best, they're going to think that she's insane and she's crazy. Joseph will probably break off the engagement and they will kick her out of the village to shame her. That's at best case scenario. At worst, this is such a scary news for Mary to accept because at worst... When she tells people that she is pregnant, but not by Joseph, she's having a child out of wedlock, which, by punishment, they were allowed to bring her to the middle of the village, sit her down, and stone her to death. So if you were Mary, an angel comes to you and says, Look, I know you're a virgin. You're engaged to this man named Joseph. You're going to be pregnant. You're going to have this child that's going to be the savior of this entire humanity. I don't think you'll be excited at all. I truly believe that when Gabrielle told Mary this news, she was trembling in fear. Because she has a lot to lose here by accepting the good news that the angel Gabriel came to her with. To us, in this Christmas season, we sing songs like, Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm, All is Bright. Infant so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. See, to some of us, this Christmas season is one of peace. We sing beautiful songs, we're calm, we're looking into the new year. For some of us, we're very excited, that, that, that nervous jitter, because we're excited about what's to come ahead in the new year. Because we're so excited about Christmas parties and presents and dinners. But to Mary, Christmas coming to her was the scariest thing that she's ever experienced in her life. Because she had a lot to lose. Angel Gabriel reminds Mary, don't be afraid. I'm here for God. I'm here to tell you good news. And in fact, right after he says, do not be afraid, once before, once right after, Angel Gabriel goes another step. And he says to Mary, you are favored by God. You know why I'm here? Don't be afraid. I have good news. You're favored by God. Do you think she felt favored? You know what being favored means to us? To me, if you told me I was favored, 
that means I'm going to get bigger, better gifts than you. If I'm favored, I'm going to get that next promotion before you. If I'm favored, my wife, my kids, my family, my friends will love me even more so in this season. Favored means something so different to us. But to Mary, when the angel of the Lord comes to her and says, you are favored, so here is a gift. You're going to have baby Jesus. I don't think she felt favored like the way we imagined to be. She was scared to death. And yet, how does she respond? She says, God, here I am. I'm a servant of you. Let it be with me according to your word. She obeys. See, our culture thinks that God's favor is ease and pleasure and prosperity. In essence, some of this may come from God's favor, but in reality, God's favor may have been revealed in things that were desperately hard. Isn't that true? God's favor for us may allow some frustration, sometimes even destruction. God's favor may come through a collision with evil forces in this world that will make us and push us to the limits where we want to quit life, where we will be battered and bruised. God's favor for us may be more richly bestowed, not in easy times, but rather through difficult times. Do you feel favored by God? To Mary, when the angel told her she is favored by God, I think she would have felt stuck. I don't want to have this baby. I didn't ask for this. I don't know what's to come. I'm going to be shamed, guilt-driven. I might even be killed and be thrown out of this community. That's being favored. I think Mary would have felt so stuck in the situation that she's in, so hopeless. And yet her response is one of obedience. Don't you feel stuck sometimes in your life, certain areas of your life? You know, like, I get it. It's Christmas season. We're supposed to be joyful and happy. But I know because it intrigues me that from Thanksgiving all the way till end of January, I get double amount of counseling requests, right? And it's like a year in review of all the traumatic things that I've been through, John, and I want to review it with you and process it together. Because, look, we can sing happy songs. We can open many gifts as we want. But the reality is just because Christmas is around the corner does not mean things in our life just work out. In fact, some of us feel stuck just like Mary, maybe more so during this Christmas season. And for those of you who feel stuck in those areas of your life, God speaks to us this afternoon. Through the story of Mary. Look, you're not stuck. You're planted. You're not stuck. You're planted. There's a vision. There's a reason. There is this message of Emmanuel that no matter what you're going through, even the difficult moments, God, I am with you. I don't know if you feel stuck because God brought that upon you, like in Mary's case. Maybe you didn't even want it. Maybe you feel stuck because 
not from God, but of this world, this broken system that in which we live in. And you feel stuck. You feel hopeless. Perhaps you feel stuck because you brought some of these destruction in your life by making foolish choices. But whether you feel stuck this way, this way, or that way, if you feel stuck, I hope you see through the story of Mary that you're not stuck. You're planted. You're planted by God exactly where you are. And he's reminding us, Emmanuel, I'm with you. Whether you're going through your ups or lows, I'm with you. And that's why God gives us this gift, the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ to us, to say, no matter what you're going through, this baby grows up innocent, die on the cross for our sins, crucified and resurrected. This greatest gift I give to you, why? Because God's reminding us as he reminded Mary, look, I'm with you. I'm for you. I know you feel stuck in certain areas of your life. But remember, this gift has been given to you. So as a child of mine, I'm with you no matter what. Sometimes we feel stuck because we feel like God is absent in our lives. In other times we feel stuck even when God is present in our lives because what he is asking us to do is not within our expectations and plans. But imagine our perspective change. Imagine our perspective change to rather than looking at my life and saying, God, I'm stuck. This, my life sucks. Why does this happen to me? Why is that person like this to me? But rather we change our perspective and we receive the Christmas gift of Jesus Christ into our life, the Savior, and say, God, I'm planted here. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know what is to come. It feels hurtful. feels painful. But I want to get through it with you because I know and I trust that you are with me. I think that's what it means to live a life that is planted rather than stuck. So church, will you pray with me this afternoon? I want to open us in prayer of thanksgiving. Let's pray to God and give thanksgiving and say, God, you favored me. Some of us, we don't feel like we're favored like Mary because we're like, God never asked me to, you know, have a child that's going to save the entire world. God's never even spoken to me. But as God spoke to Mary, that same God is our God. That same Father that came to Mary is the same Father that comes to us this afternoon, this Christmas season, reminding us, look, you're not stuck. You're planted by me. I have greater things for you. Will you stay faithful to me and obey as Mary did? So let's just bow our heads and pray.